right, good morning. Welcome to Grace Church. Uh, I want to introduce myself. My name is Justin Ross, lead pastor here at Grace, and it is really an honor and a pleasure to have you here with us. I really enjoyed that time of worship and singing, and I hope it was a blessing to your heart and uh, to your spirit. And I, I love the prayer time. Uh, I want to thank Cody and Zion for praying. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Six people clap for you, Zion. All right. That's pretty awesome, man. But I think when Cody prayed, um, you said something like, uh, be with parenting, you know? I think there was a lot wrapped up in that prayer right there, all right? But, uh, no, I want to thank these uh, young guys for praying. And really, we wanted to do that because we wanted to model the idea that you don't have to be an old person. You don't have to know it all. You don't have to be some deep theologian to be able to pray, to be able to talk with God. Um, man, you can be a child. You can be a teenager. You can be a middle-aged man or woman. You can be an elderly uh, gentleman or woman. You, you can... Whatever stage of life you're in, you can talk to the Almighty God. And we are continuing this three-part series called Pray, and we are in part two of this series. And I uh, mentioned to, uh, to the church last week that I believe this series is going to be a game-changer for some of you. I really believe that God is going to speak through this message. He's going to speak through this series to really spark and reignite a fire, a passion in your walk with God. I really believe that. I believe God is going to use this to light you up and to encourage you in your prayer life. And he's going to lead you to pray bold prayers again. I truly believe that. Last week, we were looking at the prayer of David, the shepherd boy, who became king of Israel. And uh, we were looking at... Uh, his prayer that we prayed. And today we're going to look at another powerful prayer. And next Sunday we're going to look at another prayer that's bold and courageous. Listen, these bold and courageous prayers are not safe prayers. They can even be uh, dangerous prayers that we pray. They're not safe. They're uncomfortable prayers that we're going to look at in the Scriptures. But I've already had a few people tell me that last week's message really impacted them. It really stirred them. It really reignited that passion within them to pray again and to pray bold prayers. And I, I challenge you, if I remember right, I think I double-dog dared you to pray the prayer of David. And this was the prayer that he prayed when his enemies were accusing him of having the wrong motives or having the wrong intentions. He prayed this in Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Last week's prayer was really a prayer of invitation. It was a prayer of inviting God into your life. Inviting God into your heart, into your mind, into your fears. It was really a prayer of invitation. Inviting God in. This was a prayer of Inviting God in to know my anxious thoughts. Inviting God in to point out anything in me that offends Him. It was the prayer of asking God to be the leader of your life. It was the prayer of inviting God in. And some of you need to take that very first step 
even this morning in your life, even today, some of you need to take that first step of inviting God in, welcoming Him into your mind, into your heart, into your daily activity and saying, God, I want you to be the leader of my life. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it your way. That's what David was praying. It's the prayer of asking God to be the leader of your life. And today's prayer that we're going to look at is another bold prayer. It's a very courageous prayer. Today's prayer is one of alignment. It's actually a prayer of growth. So last Sunday we were praying to invite God in, and today is really a prayer of growth, of of aligning our hearts with the heart of God. But before we move on any further, I want to warn you this morning. I want to give you a little bit of a heads up, and I want to tell you this up front. Some of you will not like this prayer. Many people may even refuse to pray this prayer. It's that bold. It's, it's that courageous. I'll tell you up front that it's, it's not a common prayer. It doesn't feel good. This prayer is not consistent with uh, the God will always make your life better uh, version of Christianity. But this prayer has the potential to open your heart to the work of God. And it has, has the potential to open your heart to the work of God in such a way that it could change your life, that it could change your future, that it can change the way that you view your future. It could change the way that you view your life. This prayer that we're going to look at was spoken from the mouth and the heart of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's found in Luke chapter 22 in verse uh, 42. Luke 22 in verse 42 Feel free to turn to your Bibles and and we'll look at that verse. It's going to be on the screen. If you're here this morning and you don't have a Bible, we would love to give you one. After the service, you can go to the connect table in the lobby and say, uh, man, I'd love to have a Bible and we would gladly give you a Bible of your own um, and uh, we would love to make that happen for you. But Luke chapter 22, verse 42, we're going to go all the way back to the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane is on the Mount of Olives and It was opposite the temple. And normally, this was a place of of meditation. This was a place of prayer. It was really a a sanctuary for Jesus. It was a place that he would go to to commune, to to talk with his father. Um, It was a place that he would go to rest, to be encouraged. Um, And I wanted to ask, do you have that place? Do you have a place that's common to you, that you like to go to for sanctuary, that you like to go to for rest? Maybe it's up in the mountains. Maybe it's uh, just a place where you can go and um, have lunch, you know, on on a lunch break where you can just be to yourself and and really just hear from God and rest. And that that was the Garden of Gethsemane for Jesus Christ. It was a place of sanctuary for Jesus. He would come to this place to escape the business and and, uh, not the business, the busyness rather of ministry. And he would spend time with his father. But on this day, When Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, it became a battleground. It became a very intense battleground. Listen to this timeless, powerful prayer that Jesus prayed. I I don't know what Jesus' posture was. I don't know if he was on his knees. I don't know if he was standing. I don't know if he was laying on the ground. I don't know what his posture was, but this verse will give us a glimpse into the emotion and the passion of his heart. Look at Luke chapter 22 and verse 42. He says, Father, if you are willing, 
Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know, I think we we often overlook the significance of what happened in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane. I think we often overlook the, the power of this moment. This moment was critical to uh, eternity. This, this moment was critical to the redemption of our souls. When it comes to our redemption, nothing could be more important than this moment right here. It was here in the garden that the eternal future of humanity hung in the balance. It was here that our fate was decided. All of history was depending on this moment right here in the Garden of Gethsemane. And as Jesus was praying and he was contemplating on what had to be done on the cross, the Garden of Gethsemane became a battleground. Light and darkness began to clash. It It was a war. It was a battle. And the victor of this battle would claim the souls of untold millions of people. Your soul, my soul, were at stake in this moment. Our eternal destiny would be decided in this battle. If if Jesus doesn't go to the cross, if he decides not to drink from this cup of suffering, then the world would just live on in darkness. If Jesus doesn't go through with the Father's will for his life, then the last three and a half years of his ministry were in vain. If Jesus refused to obey God, then death remains unconquered and our sins will forever be upon us. There would be no hope for forgiveness, no hope for redemption, no hope for salvation. And Jesus prays, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. You know, I think the enemy, Satan, I think he had a glimmer of hope in this moment when he heard Jesus pray this. When he heard Jesus pray this first line, because he knows if Jesus fails at this task, he will not only lose the battle, but he will lose the war. Ever since Jesus was born into this world, Satan tried to stop him, but Satan was defeated at every attempt. But now it seems as though he might have a chance to succeed. He might have a chance to defeat Jesus with fear. If he can just whisper in some doubt, if he can just whisper in some um, discouragement and some fear into the ear of Jesus Christ, if he could just cause Jesus to focus on the horror before him or the horror of the battle instead of what victory looks like, if he could just distract Jesus from the mission, if he could just get Jesus' attention away from the results of obedience, then the enemy would finally have his victory against God. And we can see in this verse, and the Scripture says that in, in other Gospels, it says that he was sweating in such a way, it was like just giant drops of sweat. I mean, he was visibly shaken by the cup of sacrifice that was before him, the cup that he must drink. I want to ask you this morning, how is the enemy trying to distract you? How is he trying to distract you? What, what, uh, 
words of discouragement, what words of fear is he speaking into your life? When you look at maybe the cup before you, when you look at your journey ahead, we talked about this a little bit last week, how sometimes that anxiety or that fear of our future, the, the unknown, it can cause us to be afraid. It can cause us to distrust God. And man, what is the lie? What, what is Satan speaking into your life to try to distract you from obedience? How is he speaking into the situation you're currently facing and trying to get you to focus on the, on, on the horror of the battle and not the outcome of the victory? Is he distracting your attention away from the results of obedience? Listen, you and I, we, we all struggle. That's um, part of our vision here at Grace Church. Imperfect people leveraging everything for those who are far from Jesus. You and I are imperfect. We're all battling and fighting with something in a, in a variety of ways, in, 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 in a variety of different sins and struggles. And sometimes when we're battling those sins, when we're battling those struggles, we can get so caught up in the battle, we can get maybe so focused on that battle that we forget about what victory looks like. And Satan is trying to get Jesus to focus on what he has to go through to obtain victory, and he's trying to discourage him with that. I'm going to be really uh, honest with you. One of our core values is transparency, and I'm going to be transparent with you. And the sins that I have battled in my life, there have been times where I have been uh, attacked by the enemy to be discouraged to say, man, if I walk in victory over this struggle in my life, if I walk in victory over this sin, that somehow righteousness equals boring. Somehow doing the right thing isn't going to be that fun. Somehow, man, the pleasure of sin, the scripture says it lasts for a season. Sin is fun. That's why people sin. And I would say, if you're not having fun sinning, you're not sinning the right way. Okay? Fun. It's fun to sin. That's why people do it. And sometimes we battle with this as human beings. We battle with this. Man, this, this sin is pleasurable, but God is leading me not to go down this path of sin, not to do this, not to do that, whatever that sin is that you're struggling with. And we battle with this. Man, if I choose obedience, it seems like I'm going to have to pick up my cross, and it seems like it's not going to be as pleasurable. It's not going to be as fun. And there's a tension here. And I think Jesus, um, in, a, uh, in a way, was wrestling with this. Man, he was looking at the cup of suffering. He, he knew what was ahead of him. And it was intense, horrible suffering. It was crucifixion. It was the rejection and the betrayal of close friends. I mean, it was horrific. And he's looking at this cup. And then he's looking at the path of obedience, Right? Or he has the option of saying, man, I'm not going to choose this path. I'm going to cave in to fear. Man, Jesus was wrestling with this. And Satan felt like he had him in a moment where he could destroy him. I think Satan finally, I think Satan thought, man, finally I have him where I want him. Humanity is mine for the taking. In my uh, imagination, 
I can picture the enemy as he begins to circle Jesus like a, like a scavenger circling its mill, you know? I can see the enemy, man, just pouring it on Jesus Christ, making him really focus on his fears and what lays ahead for him. We don't know the full extent of what Jesus saw or what he was experiencing in this moment, but I I think we have some ideas of what he saw in that cup that was before him. It may have been the rejection, once again, of his closest friends. It may have been the betrayal of Judas. He may have looked into that cup and he saw the, the scourging. Maybe he looked into that cup and he saw the crucifixion. Maybe he saw the, the loneliness that he would experience being the sacrificial lamb. He may have seen the, the sting of death. What, whatever it was that he saw when he was looking into that cup, it caused him to cry out to God the Father, to take it away. And once again, I think it brought a false hope to the enemy. And the enemy was circling his prey, thinking that it was ready to have a tasty meal, that it was going to devour Jesus Christ. And just as the enemy begins to revel in victory, I I picture that Jesus was kneeling, he was in, in, man, praying intensely, and I see Jesus stand up And I see him square his feet. I see him put his shoulders back. And I see Jesus look devil right in the eyes as he finishes the prayer. He says, God, please take this cup of suffering away from you. But then he goes, Father, I want your will to be done, not mine. And the enemy was crushed by that statement. You know why? Because it revealed the heart of Jesus. In that prayer, Jesus was saying, my will is submissive to the will of my Father. If He has chosen this path for me, then this is the path that I will take. If it's His will for me to face the rejection of my friends, then so be it. If it's His will to face betrayal, then I will face it. If it's His will that I... um, have to give my back to those who will beat me near to death, then so be it. If it's His will that uh, men will pluck the beard out of my face and men will spit into my face, then so be it. Let God's will be done, not my own. Because I know Jesus knew this. He knew that when His Father's will is accomplished, Greater things await. Listen, on the other side of trial, on the other side of hardship, on the other side of whatever you're experiencing right now that is just, you feel like it's breaking you, is a great victory. On the other side of the cross is the resurrection. So whatever you're facing right now, man, have hope that when you choose the path of obedience, victory awaits you. There is a resurrection for your struggle. There is a resurrection to come for the trial that you are facing. Woo! Justin Ross, that's some good preaching right there. Thank you. Amen, brother. Woo! That gives me hope. I don't know about you, but man, there's there's some times where I have faced discouragement, where I have faced trials, and man, if I lose focus 
on the path of obedience, if I lose focus that there is a resurrection, that there is a victory, I can get wiped out. I can get so buried in my own self-pity and my own hopelessness that Satan is the victor. And I'm trying to encourage myself, I'm trying to encourage you this morning to, man, don't lose sight. Don't lose sight. Whatever battle you're facing, whatever you're struggling with, remember there's a resurrection. There is victory. And man, continue down the path of obedience. I can can picture Jesus saying, go ahead, beat my back. Go ahead, place the crown of thorns on my head. Drive the nails into my hands and into my feet. Pierce my side with your spear. Go ahead. It may be the Father's will for me to go through this suffering But he's looking the enemy in the face and he says, but don't forget what the prophet Isaiah said hundreds of years ago. Satan, do you remember what he said? If not, I'll remind you. Listen closely. Isaiah 53, 5. He was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Satan, this too is the Father's will. There is a purpose behind my suffering. There is a reason why I'm going to have to drink this cup. And this this powerful prayer that Jesus spoke is just as powerful for you and me today. When you're able to bring your concerns and your fears, when you're able to bring all of your brokenness before God and you cry out to Him concerning your heavy burden, and then you're kind of you know, you can unload on God and then you're able to pray in closing. You're able to say, God, I want your will to be done, not mine. Like these are the desires of my heart. This is what I want my path to look like. This is what I hope for. But God, I want your will to be done, not mine. And then you get up from that time of prayer and you walk into your future trusting God. There's nothing more powerful than that. The enemy is completely helpless and and completely, he's weak in that moment. He can't do anything to you when you walk in that kind of confidence, knowing that you are in the hands of the Almighty God. Man, when you are able to pray that prayer and you understand it and you're able to communicate that to God, you have reached Man, a level of growth, you have reached a level of spiritual depth that few believers walk in. But it's at that level, it's at that place of growth, it's at that depth of spiritual maturity that will not only bring you victory, but it will also allow God to do a great work in you and a great work through you. Man, if if God can get us to a place where our will is submissive to His will, And then the world will begin to experience, the world will begin to see Jesus in our lives and we will begin to experience victory and joy and peace like we've never experienced before. And listen, we're we're talking about the secret weapon of the surrendered will. We're talking about alignment with God. This was really the key to Christ's victory Uh, throughout his whole life, but especially in this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, this was the key to his victory. It was something that he had practiced. It was something that he had walked in in his entire life. It's the secret sauce to victory, okay? 
It's the secret ingredient. It's the, it's the secret weapon, the surrendered will. And it's such a bold prayer. I want your will to be done, not mine. Listen, truly walking in this victory, truly understanding this prayer, it starts by recognizing some, something that's so simple, yet it's so significant. And it may be a real profound realization to many of us this morning, but here it is, all right? This is such a shocking truth. Ready? Brace yourselves. Are you ready for this? There may be a difference between what we want and what God wants. Boom. Wow. That's crazy. It's this realization of, I'm not God. I may not know what's best. He may know better than I. There may be a difference between what we want and what God wants. And when you become really aware of this reality, it brings us realization or it brings us awareness that in order to have clarity, in order to have direction for your life, in order to know your next step, you have to surrender your will to the will of the fathers. You have to get to this place. Lord, whatever path you want me to take, I'm willing to follow. I'm going to trust you. And sadly, you know, often people, I think they embark on this journey. They, they decide, I'm going to start following God, and I'm going to discover God's will for my life. I'm going to discover his plan, and I'm going to go full steam ahead. But the problem is, is, is they know best. The problem is, is they've already got it figured out. There's really no room for God to lead in their life because they already have it mapped out. They know best. They're not willing to listen. They've already made up their minds for God. They know best about what God wants them to do. You know, what I found too is that often a lot of people are actually seeking divine validation for what they desire, for what they want. I've, I've experienced this as a pastor. I've had people, man, it's like they want the approval of the pastor for their lifestyle or for what they want or for the path that they've chosen. And they do the same with God. They want validation for what they want. Listen, if you truly want your heart to be in alignment with God, you cannot simply pray, your will be done. You have to add, you have to include, not my will. You have to die to yourself. It's this place of surrender. And this is the hard path of Christianity. This is the hard path of following God. Where you say, not my will. It's not what I want. It's not about me. It's whatever you want, God. That's tough. It's tough. And Jesus lived out and he fulfilled this prayer. Jesus consistently lived out this prayer when he was here on earth. And this wasn't just a one-time prayer for Jesus, you know, right before the crucifixion. This, this wasn't the first time he had prayed this. I mean, he was, he was uh, in his life, he lived out this prayer. He was always in the posture or in the position of not my will, but yours be done, God. He was living and walking in perfect submission to the will of God. Everywhere Jesus went, he taught about the kingdom, but he didn't just talk about it. He demonstrated it. He lived it out. He, he was a living example. And it all began at this place where he submitted his will 
to the will of the fathers. It's in this place of submission that we will discover that we will fulfill God's will for our lives. And I want to encourage you, church, may this be the prayer of your heart. I pray that you can get to this place where you can say, man, not my will, but yours be done, God. I'm going to trust you in such a way. I'm going to put down my own wants. I'm going to put down my own desires. I'm going to allow God to to carry out his perfect plan and his perfect will for my life. Man, lives that are beautifully and humbly submitted to him. I want to remind you that when you make that decision to place your hands in your life and your efforts, and everything that you want to do with your life, when you place your life into the hands of the Almighty God, God has given us a promise. And that promise is no one shall be able to pluck you. No one shall be able to take you. No one shall be able to snatch you out of the Father's hand. So it's really a, an issue of trust. It's really an issue of, man, do you believe this or not? Is this real or not? Are you going to give your life to God or not? Man, it's, it's really an issue of trust and submission. I pray that you'll get to that place where you can say, not my will, but yours be done. Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for this time. Jesus, thank you for being a living example for us, for demonstrating it in such a powerful way. Lord, I believe in that moment, the options were before you, the option to quit, the option to, to run from the cup of suffering. Um, the option of obedience was obviously in front of you, and you chose that path. You chose to submit yourself to God's path, and you chose obedience. And Lord, it was a hard, difficult, even sometimes horrific path, but resurrection was on the other end. Victory was on the other end. Father, I pray for those here this morning. I pray for those watching online that may be going through struggles, maybe facing hardships. Maybe they feel like they're in their, in their own crucifixion right now, like they're going through some really hard things. Father, I pray that you would just help them, that you would give them the strength, that you would make yourself known to them in ways they've never experienced. But Father, I pray that they would choose the path of obedience, that they would submit their will to your will, And Lord, we know, we have confidence, we trust your promise that there is victory on that path. Lord, help help those uh, people that are fighting those battles, Lord, not to quit, not to give in, not to surrender to the enemy. But instead, Lord, I pray that they would submit themselves to you. We ask this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen.